Welcome to the Dynasty Nerds Fantasy Football Podcast, where we discuss dynasty strategy, rankings, and all things NFL. So get ready to geek out on fantasy football with your host, Rich Dotson. And welcome to the Dynasty Nerds Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Rich Dotson, here with my fellow nerds, Matt O'Hara. Hey, hey. And Garrett Price. How's it going? Oh, it's going good here. Still under quarantine, as most of us are out here in the world. Uh, but like we always say, it's just more time to dive into that Dynasty Nerds film room and watch more tape and then bring it back to you guys and let you know how we're feeling about this 2020 class. And we're doing so uh, again this week where we pick up where we left off last week. We're picking up on the 2020 running back class. And we're going to close out the running back class this week with an episode today for the free show. And we're going to wrap it up on the Nerd Herd episode. Today on the free show, we're going to be talking about Jonathan Taylor, running back out of Wisconsin, Zach Moss, running back out of Utah, Darrington Evans, running back out of Appalachian State, Rico Dottle out of South Carolina, James Robinson from Illinois State, and Scotty Phillips from Mississippi State. And then on the Nerd Herd episode, we're going to be breaking down Cam Akers, Keyshawn Vaughn, Antonio Gibson, Patrick Taylor, A.J. Dillon, Benny LeMay, and Levante Bellamy. So we're really excited to get in here, wrap up this class. Next week, we'll be back. We'll be talking 2020 receivers. That might actually be a six-episode podcast. We don't know, but we're going to get them all in there because there's a lot of receivers. This class is deep. But before we get into today's show, let me give you a word from one of our sponsors, and that is Dynasty Owner. Com. Yes, DynastyOwner.com is that one chance and that one opportunity to invest in yourself as an overall football player. When I do say invest, I do mean invest because they're trying to build a platform of ownership where you'll be able to sell your team. This isn't something where you can go in and just start as many teams as you want. And they're going to run a thousand different leagues. They're going to actually limit how many teams they do operate at DynastyOwner.com. And they want you to be able to accumulate assets and revenue. So eventually, this is something that kind of like a stock market kind of play that you build in a portfolio that you build yourself. It's that one chance to let you be an NFL GM and a fantasy football player in one and this is that gives you that opportunity to prove so because they're the only patented fantasy sports game using actual nfl salaries and contracts you know you got to manage your team from all those different levels like i mentioned it's for that smart elite fantasy football player because there's no offseason in dynasty and there's no offseason in the nfl there's no offseason for any of us while we do this podcast 52 weeks a year make everything count when it comes to dynastyowner.com you can come do a startup using their actual 2020 NFL salaries. You can improve your team each year with rookie drafts, training players, draft plat, draft picks. You can win prizes, seasonal prizes, weekly prizes, chase for the ring, and you can use their app. Make sure you go up on there now. You can do some mock drafts for free. And to learn more about DynastyOwner.com, make sure you check them out today, DynastyOwner.com. So one of the guys we're starting off today here and kicking this whole show off with uh, is it's a guy that could be ranked number one in this entire class. And you'll see a lot of Dynasty analysts have him at number one. And the thing that's funny here, though, is not one single person on this podcast between the three of us have him at number one. Uh, I don't know if your guys tone has changed after digging a little bit more to get your final notes all set for this podcast, but going into last week, we didn't even have Jonathan Taylor as number two as a consensus. He did come in as number three and we asked, we're talking about Jonathan Taylor, Wisconsin running back five foot 10, 
226 pounds, and he ran a 4.3940. That's the fastest 40 amongst the running backs. And honestly, that's one of the fastest 40s to run at the Combine um, over the last four years. There's only been one other running back to run under a uh, 4.4 flat over the last four years, and that was Naheem Hines. So you're talking about a guy here who is super fast, former track guy, even had a 7.013 cone. If you look at his stats last year as Wisconsin, they are, you know, there's a reason he wrote that he won the Doak Walker Award, right? He's coming off back-to-back 2,000-yard seasons. That's right, back-to-back 2,000-yard seasons, keeping that Wisconsin running back tradition alive. 320 carries, 2,003 yards with 20 one touchdowns good for 6.3 yards per carry he had 26 receptions this year to really step up his receiving game for 252 yards and five touchdowns this is a guy who is coming off his last two years rushing is the third most in ncaa history how is this guy not our number one running back overall he's a former track star because it shows with his 40 time his speed is on the field it shows he's an amazing pure runner probably the best pure running back in this draft class he's got the size that you look for from an nfl running back and despite not being used in the passing game a lot he did more than double his production from 2018 and he did have an amount you know he did have an adequate amount of drops so there's that to worry about but he did double his production with five touchdowns in 2019 despite only having eight receiving touchdowns the previous three years Taylor caught the ball very well in his pro day as well. As well. Now, that is a pro day, and you know it, it's scripted, so you're supposed to look at your pro day. He's got very good contact balance. His feet, feet are good. His vision's fantastic, and he always found that crease, and he hit it. Now, all that good stuff about Jonathan Taylor. Well, Rich, what do you have to say negatively about Jonathan Taylor because he's your third running back? There's got to be some faults here, right? So there's a couple things here to worry about with Jonathan Taylor. That being said, you know, before I go to that, this guy's a grade A prospect, right? Most classes, he's easily the one, one, uh, one, two. He's in that range no matter what. He's just that good. But, you know, this is a guy who has a ton of usage, was over 300 carries in the last three seasons, 968 touches total. That doesn't overly concern me. The touches amount, you know, for being a young guy, it's like, go ahead and get out there. It's, the history shows, like, I don't think usage really has anything to show for like guys not being productive down the road. My biggest concern with Jonathan Taylor, my number one concern for me is this fumbling. This is a guy who's fumbled 18 times in his, in his three years there, and he lost 15 of that, those, including five in 2019 alone. And this is something he's been consistent at is fumbling. And, you know, he lost eight fumbles in 2017. He lost four fumbles in t- 2018. He had six fumbles in 20, uh, 2019. I mean, I, I remember looking back at that Purdue game. He fumbled twice, and one of the fumbles, he wasn't even touched, and he fumbled the ball and lost it. Um, he's a guy for me that, you know, he lacks the wiggle of the top two, and he's just not overly created, uh, creative when it comes to that kind of run style. He's like, to me, he's like great one-cut runner, really good vision to find a hole, has a speed, and gets going. Um, also surprisingly for a guy of his stature of 226 pounds, he's not a big time pile mover. And he also did not dominate the top end defenses where we saw guys like JK Dobbins did significantly better versus top defenses in college football. 
Jonathan Taylor did not dominate the top end defenses. His speed and his visions is top two assets. And to me, this is a guy who will definitely get what's there. I love watching his, him run because I like his vision. I like his speed a lot. He's a fantastic runner. But when we get our job here is to figure out if you have the one one and the one two, who do you think that you know, who do we think you should take? And there's going to be a lot of people out there saying you should take Jonathan Taylor. And if it was a standard league, I'd 100% say Jonathan Taylor, number one overall. And I'm not, I have some concerns about his passing abilities, but let's wait and see because a lot of those Wisconsin running backs like Melvin Gordon and James White will come out and they will produce in the passing game down the road. So I'm not going to cut Jonathan Taylor off there. Definitely getting, getting better here. But it, 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 you could say he gets what's there for him. Yeah, a lot. That's the biggest thing that I saw when I'm when I'm watching Jonathan Taylor run is, I think you hit, you really hit the nail on the head when you said he's not um, like as he's not as quick laterally and, and as explosive laterally as those top two guys, which which somewhat limits him. I mean, we have, he's a like like you said he's a great great A prospect. We're just trying to find, but the other two guys are too. So we have to differentiate these guys and we have to rank them. So. As far as where I'm going to have him ranked, he's going to be number three in my in my board as well, just because the lateral agility and the ability to get side to side isn't at the same level as those other two guys, as a J.K. Dobbins, as a, as a DeAndre Swift. So those are like the big things that I see. And then, like you said, the fumbles are a huge issue. I mean, that's that's a big time red flag. I mean, obviously, whoever, whatever coach or GM is going to draft Jonathan Taylor, they're going to be drafting him pretty high. So he's going to have a little bit longer leash than say like a fourth rounder type of guy that, that fumbles a lot. But if he doesn't get that fixed, it's eventually going to be a problem for no matter who drafts him. You know, you just can't oh, be that sure. loose. You can't be that loose with the football um, and stay on the field and, and, and be an every down type of guy. So those yeah, are, I the, saw, the, sorry, I saw a stat on that, Matt. Uh, Garrett of his fumbling like if you had equated his fumbling rate to NFL like standards and whatever whatever it came out to he would have led the NFL in fumbles for non-quarterbacks and that's I mean that's just unacceptable so it's something it can be worked on uh, um, but as of right now it's a knock against him I mean we haven't seen him correct the issue yet so we have to hold it against him uh, to this point and and those are the reasons I have him you know it's just a slight it's a slight knock you know what I mean it's it, it but it's enough that he's going to be below those two guys for me yeah, Jonathan Taylor is an extremely, extremely talented player, but uh, I'm I'm on board with both uh, with with where you guys are at as well. I I have him as my third running back, and I've taken some flack for that. Uh, my issue pre-draft is I ended up here. My score for his tape score came out to a 75.3. Um, so just as a reminder, before J.K. Dobbins was a 77.6. Uh, and DeAndre Swift was a 77.5. So, um, you know, he's about two points below. And my issue is going to be landing spot for him. Way more so than than Dobbins and Swift. Um, and, and probably even more so than, than some of the guys below him. Because I think if he gets to the Colts, if he gets to the Niners, if he gets to a team with a good... Steelers. Steelers, good functioning offensive line. He's going to be a stud and he might catapult into not my tape score, but my actual rankings for fantasy football. He might catapult into that top spot. However, if he ends up in Tampa Bay 
if he ends up in Miami with how they're constructed at the moment, uh, you know, he ends up on a team like that. I'm all of a sudden a lot more concerned. So uh, the reason is because behind the line of scrimmage, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Cam Akers, all of those guys are able to create. And a play breaks down, they can do something about it. Often, Jonathan Taylor is not able to do something about it when the play breaks down. And so when he's in the open field, you're not catching him. He's faster than you. And he's fairly strong as well. I think his power is a little overblown. He's kind of been labeled as this like power runner, and I don't know that he quite is. But he is still a very strong running back. So when he gets to the linebackers, the safeties, he's golden. But when he's when he's meeting trouble, when he's meeting opposition in the backfield or at the line of scrimmage, he doesn't do nearly as well as some of the other guys. And so he's going to end up being very landing spot dependent for me as to where I end up ranking him. Yeah, and that goes into you know the wiggle that he has. It, it's just not as there. And people argue like, oh, look at the way he moves and the cut. You know, his cut. Like, yeah, he has that nice small one cut uh, behind the line. Um, and like I said, it, what really benefits him too is one. He he had a really good offensive line with helps, but so does a lot of these guys. You know, these top end schools. I mean, J.K. Dobbins had a good O line. Um, DeAndre Swift had a good O line. So Clyde Edward Lair had a go, good O line. But I really liked Jonathan Taylor's vision in between the tackles um and knowing exactly where to go which benefits as well definitely with his speed because once he knows where to go and he can find that crease i mean he could hit it and go and he does have that body that body and physique to you know you're not gonna bring him down with just an arm tackle no not at all so you're gonna have to be honest guy he's he's a true nfl running back and a talented running back at that and i'd be more than a static to have him on any one of my dynasty rosters. But when I'm in PPR leagues, I'm, I'm with you guys. I want to take a guy, like Garrett said, that can create behind the line. If stuff breaks down, he can still get there. Um, a little bit more versatile with the ball in his hands in the receiving game and behind the line of scrimmage where, you know, he needs to make that, he needs to make that, you know, jump or that juke cut or that spin move to get out behind that defender, that linebacker to go get an extra 10, 15 yards for that big play. So we all, we agree then. So we're all here in consensus here, which is kind of somewhat surprising. I mean, when it's all said and done, I mean, we've been talking about this all, you know, for over a month now, a couple months that Jonathan Taylor has been our number three guy. And I want to see if that would change here after we're this far into the game, you know, just a couple of weeks from the NFL draft. We're all three of us are done with our tape study now on Jonathan Taylor. We've watched the film, we've taken our notes and done our scouting reports, and we all still sit here with with the same report. Nobody's jumped off of that. And again, when you look at the dynasty community and you talk to the analysts, or whether it be Twitter or forums like that, some people will tell you you're absolutely crazy that Jonathan Taylor is not your number one overall. And for me, honestly, I don't even have Jonathan Taylor as my number three overall prospect which is even crazier because how good he is i have cd lamb as my number three overall prospect where do you guys i'm with you there i have that exact same ranking to be honest um cd lamb for me is just a, a slightly higher level just overall talent and and i think what what resonated most with me um i, I really liked what you said garrett was um just talking about how like he's so landing spot dependent for you I think if he if he does get the right offensive line in front of him, he can be an explosive playmaker and all that. 
But if he if if he gets bottled up, and I think going back to what Rich said about um, you know how he didn't excel against better defenses, I think that I think those two things, if you marry them together, it, it paints a little bit of a picture yeah. that if if things are beautiful in front of him, then then he'll be a really good effective back. But when things break down just just a little bit, he loses his effectiveness. Um, you know, just like he did when he was going against better defenses in college. So it, I really do like what you said there, and, and I just I just kind of wanted to at least put those two thoughts I think together no, um, in, into one into one concise um, type of, of feeling. And I think if you need like an NFL comparison to it, almost I think of Todd Gurley under Jeff Fisher, those early years. Okay, where yeah. you just couldn't get it, couldn't get anything going. Yeah. Couldn't get anything going, man. And we all know Todd Gurley early, you know, even, you know, a dynamic, you know, NFL MVP runner, one of the best in the game at the, you know, when he, when his knee's healthy under Todd, you know, Jeff Fisher and that, that line, the way the team was constructed where they had to get the number one overall pick even where it just, he couldn't get anything going kind of along those lines. You know what I mean? Like Todd, Todd Gurley wasn't able to create early on his own and he was just bottled up by defense after defense and, you know, even bad NFL defenses still have high quality players on the field. So if you're like, oh, Jonathan Taylor's too good, too good to, to you know, it doesn't matter where he goes. Well, I mean, I'm sorry to say Jonathan Taylor's not as good as a prospect as Todd Gurley was coming out of the NFL draft. I agree. Totally. Agree. So, Garrett, where do you have him overall right now in your rankings? Uh, so if it's just on tape score alone, CD lamb is actually my highest rated player. Now I would not necessarily draft him first. Um, but he is, he is the he has the best tape score of all of the guys, uh, in this group. But, uh, if I had to rank them today, uh, he probably, he would definitely go behind CD lamb, but he would still probably be ahead of the likes of Jerry Judy, Clyde Edwards, Alaire, Cam Akers, uh, Jalen Rager, Denzel, Denzel Mims. He'd be ahead of all those guys still. So I think it would only be CD at this point that I would comfortably put ahead of him. Okay. Yeah, I have him right behind Judy, but again, that's 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 pick your poison. It's right. it's one A one B kind of material. Like, hey, take J.K. You could take Siri Judy, or you could take Jonathan Taylor. What's your need? Like, you know, you always say take best player available, but I think in this draft more than ever, you know, for I think when it comes to top end here, I think it is kind of pick your poison because DeAndre Swift and J.K. Dobbins one two. But I've said it on this podcast um, for over a month. I have no problem whatsoever of taking CD lamb one, one, that was your biggest need. Yeah. You know I, mean? I, if you I took understand CD lamb over these, run, over these running backs, I would not say that's a terrible pick. I definitely I, I, understand. I'm okay with it. I definitely understand that on the talent aspect. Like I said, my tape score, he was, he came out as the top player. Um, but as far as like fantasy football, top player, I'm not quite ready to put him there, but I, I completely understand what you're saying with you know not having a problem when you have somebody that's that supremely talented. You know that that's going to translate. Yeah, and of course, and I mentioned this the last week's shows too. You always have to be aware of it's dynasty, it's long term, and just know that with the top end pick, and this is why you probably get the edge to Jonathan Taylor over Jerry Judy is just for how strong this 2021 wide receiver class is. Absolutely. 
in a non-superflex league, we could easily see the first five picks. Again, this is just today. You know, it's going to change. Of course, it's going to change a lot in a year. But just today, you can look at the first five picks of that rookie draft being all receivers. You know that's not going to be true by the time it's all said and done this time next year, 12 months from now. But if you're looking at today, you can easily say that's the first five picks. Garrett, you're a Debbie guy. Do you think that's out of, out of, you know, out of line to say? It's not crazy at all. Um, the only guy that is not a wide receiver in non-super flex that I fairly regularly see in the top five is Travis Etienne. Other than that, it's it, it you're right. It's it's basically all receivers, and there have been times where it's been only receivers. I mean, you have you have Jamar Chase, you have Rashad Bateman, you have Jalen Waddle. I mean, you have all of these really supremely talented wide receivers. Um, so Rondale Moore, I left him out, shouldn't have uh, out of Purdue. So yeah, uh, there's there's a real possibility that all of those guys, just on you know being prospects, are better than the running back class by by quite a bit. Yeah. So what we're looking here at is the way I look at this class is you have a and this could change after the draft. We can get a guy like Clyde Edwards in this tier probably too in the right land spot. But right now, if you have a top six pick, if you miss the playoffs. You're getting a really elite player. Yep. You know, you're you're or a top five pick. I'm sorry. You have a top five pick where you're getting Jonathan Taylor, Clyde Edwards, DeAndre Swift, Jerry Judy, or CeeDee Lamb. So you're getting a really good player there. Would it surprise any of us if Jonathan Taylor ends up being the best fantasy back out of this class? No. No? No. You know, just because somebody has somebody ranked somewhere, you do gotta do it tier based. And this is this is pretty much tier one. Even though I have to have a tier one is JK Dobbins. CeeDee Lamb and uh, DeAndre Swift because those are guys are going to my top three pretty much no matter what uh, for me personally. And then it would be Jerry, Judy, Jonathan Taylor in their own tier. But uh, you're coming away with a really good player. Just because we have Jonathan Taylor at number four or number five in our rankings does not mean by any means we do not like him. It just goes to show you how strong this class is. It goes to show you why for over 18 months now, uh, as we're only a couple of weeks finally away from this NFL draft, that we've been telling you to acquire these 2020 picks. And not only the 2021st, but the 2022nds, which are going to feel like once we get into these, you know, some of these running backs here and definitely this receiver class, you're going to be like, wow, I'm really glad that I have some of these 2022nds because that's how class this deepest class is. Somebody asked me on Twitter, Garrett and I, uh, not too long ago, they're like, how many of these guys do you guys genuinely like in this class? genuinely like that you feel really good. like you come out of the draft you feel good about and i responded off the top of my head i was like 24 easily easily 24 players that i like out of this draft class and i feel really comfortable with and honestly i'd probably go a little bit higher than that uh, and in the past it's been like what like you you would normally say 13 maybe 15. yeah like 15 somewhere right around there so i mean yeah. that that really speaks and sometimes even less than that i mean last year you know we probably felt comfortable about nine of them you know what i mean like you couldn't even get all the way through the first round with guys that you felt completely comfortable with right so so this year is just it's totally flipped the script and and in last year's draft ended up being a lot better than we thought it was but there was still a Way lot better. of question yeah a lot of question marks so this one could be one of those drafts that's just amazing you're getting you're getting sound really good talent in the third round that you're just that are that are helping you win games so it's, it's definitely the tight yeah, Go definitely ahead. the tight end position. No, I agree, Matt. Like once you get in that third round, it's going to be like definitely the top end of the third round. Like pick three, three to three, four, right around there. Mm-hmm. Like there's going to be some guys that are there that I know when it comes draft day, I'm going to be like, oh wow, definitely in a tight end, super flex tight end premium league that pumps this back all the way down to like mid third. 
right. you know, right. of, of talent. Oh, yesterday, yesterday I hopped on a, a show with uh, um, Addison Hayes, and it was a it was a mock draft show, and he he just had me mocking rookies. I got DJ Dallas in the fourth round. So, and that's yeah. the thing. That's the thing, Rich. You say you feel comfortable with twenty four players. There's always going to be players that get picked before that that you're not comfortable with in your drafts. So that that's how you start creeping into the third round. If you have if you feel comfortable with 24 players, you're easily picking those out of those 24 players into the third round most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, after the NFL draft them that that number's going to expand. And it, that's why like I'm always super stoked for the draft. It's one of so my fun. favorite days of the year, man. I don't you and I have watched a draft together, Matt, for I mean, I honestly don't even remember how long since we haven't watched, I yeah, honestly I couldn't know. tell it's you. Like, while, I mean, we're yeah. talking decades, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. And this year, we we'll probably have to do it over Zoom, but whatever. We're still going <laughs> to watch the draft. Absolutely. This year, though, I'm I'm more excited because I want to see where all these guys end up. We've talked about this on the show too. So many, so many of these guys are going to get moved around because of the draft, and that always happens a little bit. But this year, it's going to happen a lot of bit. Like some of these receivers are so close, it's like there's only so many jobs to go around. So where are they going to land up so we could we can rank these guys? Like which one of these running backs? Like one of these running backs we're talking about is going to end up in a really good situation and he's going to get a bump. Who's that going to be? Who's going to be the guy that falls? You know what I mean? One of those guys who guys we're going to talk about next, I'm interested to see where he lands. And I think he's really dependent on his landing spot. I think his landing spot is actually really huge for him. I know this is a guy that Matt likes a lot. Zach Moss out of Utah, five foot nine, 223 pounds, ran a four, six, five, 40. Even though he just recently posted a video of him running a four, five, two, because you got to remember hurt his hammy doing that. Uh, was it the, the, uh, vertical jump. Right, right. And so they think that they slowed down his 40. His agent advised him not to run the 40. He did it anyways. So he ran a 4.65. Did show video just recently of a run of 4.52. Coming off a year of 235 carries, 1,416 yards and 15 touchdowns. That's good for six yards per carry. It had 28 receptions for 388 yards and two touchdowns. 778 touches over four years. Matt, I know you like Zach Moss out of Utah. Tell us what you like about him. Well, he's a, he's a guy that, um, I mean, first and foremost, he, he's a guy that runs with some attitude. But um, And I always love these kind of backs that are physical guys that, that are kind of trying to punish the um, linebackers and defensive linemen, you know, dole it out instead of taking it. Um, but he's a real patient guy, and, and he'll wait for stuff to develop in front of him and then pop right through the hole. And, and really, he's got a nice jump cut, a nice spin move. He'll lay a nice stiff arm on, on some defensive backs when, he, when he's fighting for extra yards. And he's a guy that's always scrapping and fighting for extra yards. He, I, I just can't emphasize how tough of a running back this guy is. Um, and, and there's I, there's not many holes. Like he, he does well in pass protection. He, he catches the ball nicely out of the backfield. He can be one of those guys that just sneaks out of the backfield and, and is an outlet type of guy. And he can make big things happen. The the one thing that you know occasionally I, I, I would I would look at and wonder was his top end speed. And then he ran a four six five in, in the forty. And I was like, okay, maybe he's a, he is just a four six guy. But you know, then the story leaks out that his hammy was tweaked. And then he ran. He did. I did see the 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 uh, the four five two or whatever. And I actually mentioned that last week. I thought it was Michael Warren, but it was Zach Moss who ran. Who who I was thinking of who ran the the, the four five two basically out on a field all on his own. So I think he's you know the more I dug into the tape, 
the more I saw that he that he he didn't really have many questions about the the long speed. It was it was a matter of patience for me. Like I thought he was just a little bit slow to the line, but he was really just waiting for things to develop uh, in front of him before he before he kind of popped off and, and got moving upfield. So there's there's those are the, those are the uh, the ins and outs and what I like about um, um, Zach Moss. Garrett, yeah, um, I'm. I'm not sold on Zach Moss. Uh, there's a lot of people that like him, and I get why. You know, we, we talked about Jonathan Taylor just a second ago. I gave Jonathan Taylor a nine for vision, and the only one that was really even close to him was Zach Moss at an 8.5. Um, and and a patience, I had him at an 8.5 as well. And so his total score came out to 67.28, uh, which was uh, my ninth rated running back overall. Uh he is going to be a very serviceable player at the next level. Uh, he is arguably, outside of Jonathan Taylor, the best player between the tackles. Um, and it's funny that you mixed up Michael Warren and, and Zach Moss, because I think I mentioned it before. They're very, very similar players, uh, where they don't have many things where you're like, oh, that skill set is incredible, but it's not terrible either. And so he's going to be able to do a lot of the things you need him to do. I just don't know that he's ever going to be able to really pop at the next level. And so I see a guy that in his first contract uh, is probably the lead back in a committee uh, or or somewhere in a committee. And then for the after his first contract, he's a really serviceable backup. Um, and, and that's not a bad thing. You know, if you're able to get him in the mid second round, late second round for somebody that you'll be able to use in your flex spot, uh, you know, in the early part of their career, that's a good pick. I just don't think, um, you know, when you look at some of these, you know, uh, guys that we're going to continue to talk about Clyde Edwards or Lair, Cam Akers, uh, you know, we're going to talk about Keyshawn Vaughn later. I think he's just a, a little bit below those guys. Uh, and I just think his overall athleticism is going to limit him to an extent. Yeah, Garrett, I, I like that you said that because my very first note in here is my very first note on Zach Moss is likely a two to three year window kind of runner. Yeah. Hashtag two to three. That's, when I'm watching him play, I'm like, dude, this guy, you know, he does a lot of things well. And but my very first note says likely a two hashtag two to three year window runner um, does a lot of things well. But you want to get you're going to want to squeeze that juice and then you, you're going to want to get rid of them. I'm and I'm with you that with that, Rich, especially with the 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 style of running that he that he the style of running back that he is. He 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 doesn't shy away from con- contact anywhere. So this is a, this is a definitely a use him up type of guy and get out from underneath. I, I totally agree with you there. A lot of touches over four years as well. Um, good bloodline Santana and Sonoris Moss is his cousin. He's Utah's all-time leading rusher, and he's one of the main reasons why Utah had such a good year. Um, but I agree. I think draft landing spot is huge for him. You guys, you guys summed up a lot of things that he does really well. You know, his his patience, his balance. I mean, his balance is top notch. Like Matt said that he runs angry, right? This guy averaged almost 4.5 yards after contact while forcing 89 missed tackles. For for a guy of his size, his spin move as well mm-hmm. is terrific. His agility, his receiving ability, like you mentioned uh, before, he caught 86% of his targets, which just totally makes him a potential three-down running back who could pass protect. Take contact very well. Not easy to come down. But like like Matt first said too, like he's worried about his overall like film speed. And I know it ran a four six five, and I'm like, eh, okay, but the four five two seems like about right. But on f- even speed, like his long term speed to me just wasn't 
there for me. Like he he's not that kind of runner. He did have the meniscus surgery already, so he does have a knee injury already. Um, and honestly, he had inj- injuries every single year, and he had an injury, uh, the hamstring injury at the combine. So you know his speed's his biggest concern. He had a couple fumbles every single season. Doesn't really concern me too much, but I like. I'm kind of I'm kind of more after I like dug into this a lot. Cause I had Zach Moss right around like my, my 13th, 14th player. And I like Zach Moss, but I want to see where he lands for him to stay there because the more I watched, the more I watched him and I think he's a really nice player. It's just like, okay, would I rather have Zach Moss or would I rather have like Justin Jefferson? Would I rather have Zach Moss or would I rather have Denzel Mims? And to me, I kept coming back. Well, I'd much rather have those receivers. Yeah. Likely, likely I'd be going with both those receivers. You just mentioned also ahead of him. Um, and I and I like him, you know what I mean. I like him, and I and I still would probably go both those guys above him. Yeah, so I I, I kind of agree with Matt and Garrett both combined. Like I would take both if you both of your guys takes I would mesh together to equal my take. Where I like Zach Moss, I think he's a very formidable runner, and definitely in the right system. And and go back to Garrett's take is okay. Get those first two years after him. After that second year, you hope that he's producing at running back like anywhere from like 11 to 18 range and then you just sell on it and you're looking at like a 2022 first hopefully in the in the right system because he'll still be young enough and not enter that other contract where you can kind of get out from under him but i'd rather he's got a player i'd much much rather play safe on so that's zach moss out of utah and i think we all i think that's a pretty good summary i think we i think i think we've all talked about different parts of his game but i think it all leads back to the same point you know absolutely Mm-hmm. A, a good running back, one of the better running backs in this class, kind of goes to show you too where like he's like a good breaking point. I, th- I feel like Zach Moss and Keyshawn Vaughn both are like a good breaking point where you have the three guys we already mentioned that you throw in Clyde Edwards, Alaire, and Cam Akers. So you have five guys there that we all consider top end running backs, right? Those those guys, we feel like they're all kind of top yep. end guys. yep. yep. And then you have Zach Moss and Keyshawn Vaughn, which I feel like are safe guys. Like, okay, if they landed for sure in the right spot, they're going to produce. Are they going to produce probably at like high end levels? Probably not. You know, you're always surprised by certain players, uh, but probably not. And then after there, you're looking for like, okay, what are some upside guys? One of those guys we talked about last week was DJ Dallas is one of those upside guys that we would like in the right system. And I actually, just to be, you know, transparent, I actually do have DJ Dallas one spot ahead of Zach Moss. Um, Now, granted, I am the, the, uh, the, the poster boy for being a fan (laughs) of DJ Dallas. uh, But I, I have, I have him one spot ahead of my rankings. The, the guy who I want to move up after all this was said and done, um, Garrett was Anthony McFarlane is, I don't blame who I have. I have Anthony McFarlane neck and neck with a guy like Zach Moss and Keyshawn Vaughn because he's just so much more explosive. It's like, okay, you know, I take this guy who's pretty safe right here, or do I go for the glory and get an Anthony McFarlane? I still think Anthony McFarlane's one of those guys that move up to the boards the highest for a lot of these dynasty analyst rankings. Yeah. But even today, because I, I I did a little bit uh, touch up on my rookie rankings today before cause I don't mind. I don't, obviously, I can't do them all until after an NFL draft and I get some more of these receivers. But when it was all said and done, it's like okay, I'm done with Zach Moss now. I'm done with Keyshawn Vaughn. Like okay, I had those guys as my you know that second tier, but do I really like them that much more than Anthony McFarland? I kept coming back like, no, not really. I, I really don't. <laughs> so I really do yeah. like Anthony McFarland 
um, in that in that range. So Zach Moss, safe player. We like him. Is it safe to say? I know Matt, you and I right now probably have him in our about right around top fifteen range, right around there. Because I got him right around fifteen. Right. I'll have to I'll have to check, but it's somewhere right around there. Let me just put let me just yeah let me just put a bow on him real fast for you and and just yeah. ask for you guys as I guess a comparison. If if him and David Montgomery were in the same draft, where would you guys see the comparison between those two guys? Hmm. That's a good question. Because I kind of see them as similar types of players, um, and and that's why that's the only reason I'm asking. Like you know what I mean? Like if if Moss was in last year's draft, I think he would have been much higher. But I think conversely, if David Montgomery was in this this year's class. He would be coming in around the similar same range. place. Yeah, at a very yeah. similar range. The only difference that I see between the two, because there there is a lot of similarities. Both have pretty good vision and patience. Neither were like overly explosive. Um, I think the only difference is I think Montgomery has more of that side to side lateral agility uh, than than Moss has. But other than that, yeah, there's there's a lot of similarities in their game, and I'd probably have them ranked pretty close. Okay. Yeah, and if you and again, I mean, this is why I love doing podcasts uh, every week. Is because people are like, oh yeah, you say that now. It's like, no, dude, I've been doing this for six years. Go back and listen to all our takes. It's it's the reason why Dynasty Nerds is one of the top Dynasty podcast websites out there today is because what we've done with our rookies, right? And it's on tape. And I I think if you go back and you listen to my David Montgomery take, I think it's pretty similar. Like Zach Moss, like okay, like. Remember, everybody was like raging about David Montgomery. I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I think Miles Garrett Sanders is significantly better than David Montgomery. And I think he's just like, I think I said the same thing. I I, obviously it's a year ago, but I was like, I'm pretty sure I said, like, hey, this is a running back. He does a lot of things nice. Like, he's a good running back, but like, I don't love him. You know what I mean? Like, I love Miles Sanders, but I don't love David Montgomery. And a lot of people, a lot of people had David Montgomery higher than Miles Sanders. If you look back and you can find people's rookie rankings from 2019, you're going to see a lot of people that had David Montgomery higher than Miles Sanders. So, yeah, I, I kind of get that, too. I like that comp, Matt, with uh, David Montgomery because you're right. I do kind of have that similar feeling about him. I, I, pro- I probably would like David Montgomery a little bit more than Zach Moss, just a little bit more, but they're, but they're, but they're very close. They're very close in my eyes, yeah. All right. Yeah, I like that. It's, it's actually a very good comp, actually, Matt. So, kudos to you. Well, thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. get him while you can. <laughs> Next up on our list to break down here is Darrington Evans, running back out of Appalachian State, five foot ten, two hundred and three pounds, ran a four four one forty, which is the second fastest forty there. Showed some good strength with twenty bench reps as well. Left Appalachian State this year with 255 carries for 1,480 yards and 18 touchdowns, good for 5.8 yards per carry, 21 receptions, and 198 yards and five touchdowns. Now, this is a guy who, after watching all the tape, I'm I'm really – he falls in that category. Where does he land? Where does he land? Because there's a lot of things I like about Darrington Evans' game. This is a guy who never fumbled. In all 482 carries that he had, he never Bumbled. And he's fast. That 4-4-1 shows you that he's the second fastest running back at the combine. And it shows up on film. And he's got some good elusiveness. He's got some ability to get to the outside. Showed really good vision. Burst through the initial hole. His initial reads are good. His balance is good. His pass protection was okay. Not the toughest guy, but like he tried. Um, <laughs> I really liked how he like but he would he plant his foot and get upfield. You know? I think he's versatile because he can return kicks. He catches the football with his hands. Didn't run a lot of routes, though, so 
he caught no footballs split out wide at all. So I think he lined up a couple times, but he I think he had one ball thrown to him and he dropped it. But this is a guy who's a really good player in space. So in the right scheme, he could produce. And to me, you're going to see a lot of people compare. If you look at a lot of notes on Darrington Evans, you'll probably see like, oh, he's more of an outside runner than inside runner. And I do agree to that. And a lot of people say he struggles on the inside. Uh, you know, you see it so much when you watch the film, like, okay, you know, but I didn't think it was, I honestly didn't think he was that bad as an inside runner. I mean, he's not going to break a lot of tackles. No. Um, his passing game as a whole can be questioned. Yes. But I, I didn't hate him as an inside runner. And to me, this is a really good upside guy, which I want to see where he lands. I want to get a lot of shares of him. Cause I, when I watch his tape and I watch him play, I feel like if Darrington Evans gets opportunity, so if he gets a position to be a guy who's going to get 20 carries per game because he is the guy, whether that be because of injury or somebody drafts him and that's just the way it ends up, uh, he could produce. And produce in a in a fantasy football uh, aspect of he could be a running back too, in my eyes. I think he's versatile enough to be able to produce. I think he's versatile enough to be an NFL game uh, a team. He's certainly fast enough to produce. I really like what he does in space a lot. And again, a lot of people are going to hate his inside running, but I kept trying to pay attention to that um, while watching his tape to see if he was capable of running inside. And like I said, when I came away with it, he's not spectacular, but I don't think that's like some huge major flaw in his game where like he just can't run inside. Because remember, we were even concerned about Christian McCaffrey. Like, this guy can never run inside. He can run inside. Darrington Evans is a nice fantasy football upside player. I think there's some things that he does well that in the right scheme and given opportunity, he could produce on your team as either a flex player or a very solid running back two. And maybe that running back two will be, you know, running back 16 to 24, right around there. But you give me a running back from 16 to 24, and I'm going to have show you a player that can help you win a fantasy football championship. So I'm interested to hear your guys' takes on it, on it, Darrington Evans, Darrington Evans, because I came away optimistic about him and this is a guy I definitely want to have a lot of shares of maybe at the back end of the second round depending on where he lands all the way up into if he's in a like a more bad situation probably like mid to late third round but in a good spot certainly a second rounder for me Matt what do you think uh, to me he's a guy that has you know he's a very explosive player has all the long speed in the world but He's not a guy that's creative behind the line of scrimmage. If, if something's not there, I, he, he's just going to get tackled. He doesn't have any kind of power. And I think that's what you were kind of alluding to uh, when you're talking about his inside running game. Um, you know, it, he can stretch he can, he can can stretch a play to the outside, stick his foot in the ground, and get upfield with the best of them. But I think that's kind of like the limit to his game, in my, in my opinion. I just I don't see a lot of you know making people miss in the in the open field or anything like that. He catches the ball pretty well. Um, he looks okay in the blocking game, but at 203 pounds, he, he's just not big enough to really be in like an anchor type of guy or like a, a inside runner in my opinion. So I think it's going to somewhat limit him in the NFL, to be honest. So I'm I'm definitely not as high on Darrington Evans. He's a definitely he's a big play waiting to happen, uh, but I'm just not sure how much opportunity he's going to actually get in the NFL, and that's my my biggest concern. I mean that and the fact that he's he looks like a track guy out there kind of playing football. In in, in my opinion, I, he, he's he just doesn't have much refinement. 
to his game, uh, and he doesn't have a lot of wiggle or, or just creativity uh, with the ball in his hands. Yeah, so man. I uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was gonna I was gonna pass along to you anyway, Garrett. Go ahead. I liked his elusiveness in the field. I liked where he was able to take some contact and kind of bounce off there, um, and ability definitely on the outside there. I. I I I've, I I saw a lot of people say that like oh he can't create at all and I don't again Matt I don't think he, I agree behind the line of scrimmage I don't think he could create that much uh, behind the line but when he was in the open field with the ball um, I did see a, I saw good enough elusiveness out of him where again it got me a little bit excited about him. Uh, yeah. I I'm much more on on uh, team Matt on this one. Uh, I know that there's a lot of people and, and people that I respect uh, that really like Darrington Evans, and so uh, I'm not saying he can't hit, um, but I'm I'm much more in the the ballpark of he was really really fast and and he's real bursty. Uh, but as far as uh, his score, he ended up with a 56.63 for me. It was uh, on the lower end. There was only you know four or five backs below him for me. Um, and a lot of it had to do with he had my second lowest uh, breaking tackle score and my second lowest power slash physicality score um, out of the running backs. And so uh, I, I'm nervous that he is more of a one-trick pony uh, more than a, a complete running back. There was a lot of times where it, it would be somewhat weak contact and, and it would bring him down. Um, you know, there wasn't a ton of, of the, the lateral movement. Uh, he was able to do kind of similar to Jonathan Taylor where he can kind of glide and, and make people miss. Uh, but he doesn't. He doesn't have as much of the, uh, you know, as an undersized back. I wanted to see, uh, you know, more Clyde Edwards-Alaire, more, you know, something like that to complement that speed. And I just don't know that there's a true complement to that speed. And so for me, uh, he'll probably end up going uh, before I'm able or willing to take take him. Okay. Yeah, you won't see Darrington Evans break a lot of tackles. It's not what his game's uh, precedent about. Uh, which would fall into that, like that Ronald Jones kind of ca- category um, slot. So we'll see. I, I have him definitely land spot dependent to be a viable uh, dynasty option for me personally. But I definitely have his name with a star on it because I am I'm interested in having him on my rosters. But where he's going to go, most likely going to be the third round. You know, uh, it, to me, these are the kind of running backs you're going to shoot for on the upside. So before we move on to our next guy, I want to give you a word from one of our sponsors here, and that's Reality Sports Online. And you know we all play different ways of fantasy football and dynasty fantasy football, and there's no better site out there today that's got, you're going to play auction leagues on than Reality Sports Online. Now, an auction league is when you you know you just don't have set draft picks. You get out there and you bid on players. You, everybody starts off with ten million. All right. You could bid on this guy. How much you want to bid on this guy? How much you want to bid on a guy? That's an auction league. By now, most of you probably heard of Reality Sports Online, the most powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like an NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? It's time to see what all the buzz about in the dynasty community is and for you to get your for you to get out there and give them a world. Free agency. Multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contract and salary cap functionality, practice squads, and so much more. Think it sounds complicated? 
It's not. The best thing about Reality Sports Online Fantasy Front Office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. Think you're among the fantasy elite? Well, this is the platform to test your mettle. Still not sure? You can test out your general manager skills for free in a mock free agency auction, which I always recommend. Always do a mock free agency auction before you actually get into a real mock draft. That's the number one tip I can give you is to get out there, do a mock, then get into the auction. That way you don't, you know, blow your load, so to speak. You're not overpaying. If you like what you, yeah, if you like what you see, we have a really good opportunity for you. Use the promo code NERDS to receive 10% off on your team today or your league. That's 10% off using a promo code NERDS. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. Check them out today. Matt and I have played there before. It's a great platform for auction. Guys, I'm telling you, it's the best in the business. Realitysportsonline.com. Promo code NERDS for 10% off. Now, as we move on here to the next running back, is somebody who you're not going to watch a lot of tape on uh, and really just wasn't used a lot in 2019. Rico Dowdle, Dowdle. South Carolina, 5 foot 11, 213 pounds, ran a 4-5-4-40, came off a year of 106 carries, 498 yards, good for 4.47 yards per carry, had four touchdowns rushing, 22 receptions for 167 yards. And this is a guy who has great speed, um, good size, explosive with some wiggle, definitely in the open field, does have some fumbling issues. His hands are just okay. Like I said, wasn't really used a lot, and his injury history is pretty, you know, pretty pretty dramatic here. We have 2016, he had a hernia. He had to get surgery on that. 2017, he broke his leg, missed some time in 2019 with a knee injury. But he's a player that, you know, he has the size and speed and the wiggle with explosiveness that you could see on an NFL roster. What do you think of Rico Dowdle? I, I like that assessment. I think he, I think he has the athleticism to play in the NFL. Um, I think he, you know, obviously the biggest question marks are going to be the injuries, um, and you know, there just wasn't a ton to look at. So you know, I, I wanted, I wanted to see more, um, you know, and I'll, I'll probably dig in a little bit more before you know, you know, once between now and the draft and stuff like that to to see a little bit more of, of what he's doing. But I, I. I you know, my notes pretty much echo what you said. He's got pretty good contact balance. Uh, he has a nice little spin move. He's always fighting for extra yards. I, I wouldn't call him like a pile mover by any stretch of the imagination. You know, he did. They, you know, you said he, he has okay hands, which is kind of basically what I said. He, I said he catches well enough, but oddly enough, they had him lined up in the slot occasionally too. So, you know, maybe he was showing more in practice than he than he was on game day, or maybe it was just something that they do with their running backs there. Um, but he basically, he more or less split time with a guy also, uh, Tavian Feaster, uh, who, who came over yeah. from Clemson. He, he transferred over. Uh, the guy was in the Clemson for the past three years. So there were, there were two senior backs there, and they and they basically split split carries, 106 attempts for, um, for Dowdle and 124 for Feaster. So – it was just one of those classic type of committee type of things. You said he was injured and missed a game or two uh, with the knee this year too. So, 
Uh, I could definitely see the athleticism um, and, and the lateral agility and stuff needed to be an effective guy. Uh, it's going to be a matter of him getting an opportunity, I think, at the next level. I uh, What I came away with with Rico, Rico Dwaddle, and we talked about it some last week, I just don't know how he wins. Um, you know, there's there's nothing in his game. Like, even though I wasn't high on Evans, obviously, like, he can win with his long speed. There's not anything in Dwaddle's game that screams like, oh, he's going to make guys miss or he's going to run people over or, man, he's such a good pass catcher. Like, there's just, there's just nothing there that will excite me enough. And so I'm pretty low on him. I only have him as a 55 um, rating overall, which is, you know, one of the last running backs in the class. However, I do want to give a a shout out to, uh, Jared Wackerly, who, uh, just had his second daughter today, uh, by the way. Yeah. I just had a second daughter. Um, but, uh, but he actually really likes him. He likes him a lot more than I do. He has him at a 67 and he, uh, ended up kind of being one of his, uh, sleeper running backs in the class. So, uh, I do trust Jared and, uh, I, I appreciate his evaluations. I'm not nearly as high on him, but it's at least enough to keep me somewhat interested. Um, you know, hearing some of his thoughts. Yeah, congrats, uh, Jared. Uh, definitely somebody I consider consider a friend, uh, and I'm so happy to be working with here. But I I would lean I would lean a little bit more towards Jared than you, Garrett, uh-huh. because there is some things that he does that excites me. It's just there's so little to see. It's kind of like okay, let's where does he land? What kind of opportunities he gonna get? Kind of one of those things. You know what I mean? Because I could see him being a decent player you know not a superstar but i can see him being a nice overall solid player there's some things about his game that i've seen that are nice it's just in such a limited basis it's kind of like i'm not gonna come here on this podcast and say oh man rico Dottle is the man you gotta draft him in the third round but to be fair rico Dottle is somebody you're gonna get in a fourth round of your rookie right drafts. right absolutely yep. he definitely is gonna be around the fourth or maybe even the fifth depending on how those you know, how those drafts unfold and where he lands yeah, because I mean, it's, I still see this this draft playing out where like the third round is going to be a big run on tight ends where somebody's going to take a tight end and there was like, ooh, time for me to get a tight end. So there's going to be a lot of tight ends taken there. Those receivers are obviously going to leak into the third round. So you're talking about like the fourth, potentially fifth round kind of guy. And to me, I would mark Rico Dottle down as a nice dynasty sleeper. You know, um, has some good upside, has some injury concerns. And but just has does just enough where he could produce. And when it comes down to the fifth round of your rookie draft and back then these rookie drafts, you're always at that point like, oh, who do I even take here? These are the kind of players you take. You know, right. We say it all the time when it comes to rookie drafts at the end of them, always shoot for the upside running backs because they're easier to get rid of because you know what you have after one or two years. You're not sitting on like wide receivers or tight ends, right? Where you take these running backs, you know what you have by the time they're you yeah promote them to your off your taxi squad or it's you got to make room. You know what you have, you can easily get rid of them. And if they do hit, usually it's just that couple year window anyways, or they offer the highest upside or the first people to be into action. So that's where guys like Rico Dottle fall into my my categories here. And actually, there's a couple other guys we'll be talking here over the next few shows that fall right into that category as well upside guys. And I think Rico Dottle is one of those guys. I don't love him, but I certainly do not hate him. Let's move on. 
Next guy we're talking about is James Robinson out of Illinois State. Five foot nine, 219 pounds, ran a 46440, 7.03 three cone, which is a much better three cone than his 40. This is a guy who obviously played in FCS, playing at Illinois State. Came off a year of a very, very productive year. Um, and that is 364 carries for 1,917 yards and 18 touchdowns. Productive because he led the FCS in carries. Also had, as good for 5.3 yards per carry, had 16 catches for 80 yards as well. This guy has pretty good vision, uses jump cut behind the line of scrimmage pretty well, showed some patience, can pass protect. Um, okay bursts, moves really nicely between the tackles um, and fights through that contract. But he's a, he's an inside runner in my eyes. He wasn't effective on the outside as all, at all. His 4.6440 shows you that long speed's really not there at all. Played in FCS, lots of tread on the tires, and he did have six fumbles in 2019. To me, James Robinson is a handcuff running back at best, but wouldn't be a guy who I would be opposed to drafting if I had like a six-round rookie pick or back into the fifth, and he was a handcuff to my guy, um, and he was like a clear handcuff to my guy. I definitely feel comfortable drafting him because of the way he runs inside the tackles, but that's all he is, man. Like he's a he's at best a couple games. Uh, guy who take the load off and he's going to split carries with somebody who's going to be a pass catcher running back and you're hoping he scores a couple touchdowns. But th- there's nothing I love about him. Again, I don't hate him, but come from the FCS and not be able to be on the outside and not having that speed, it's going to be really hard for me to find a, a spot for him on my dynasty rosters. What do you guys think? I mean, he, he's a you know he's a five foot nine, two hundred nineteen pound bag. He's a, he's a thick, um, short, stocky guy. I think he makes nice, subtle moves within the hole. I think that you mm-hmm. kind of alluded to that. Um, he's a patient guy. Uh, you know, he can stick a foot in the ground and kind of get upfield. But yeah, it, the biggest question mark is going to be the long speed. Uh, you know, he's got some burst to him. He had a nice forty inch vertical, and um, which shows his his overall just athletic profile and an over 10 foot broad jump as well um i think from the combine so he does have some athletic tools but it's it is the high the the top end speed uh which is you know his biggest question mark in my opinion i've uh i've been kind of watching him uh for a little while he was kind of one of those guys that was on my sleeper radar, uh, played at a smaller school, uh, had a chip on his shoulder. It was cool to see uh, him get the – and now I'm going to – I don't remember which one it was. It was either the Shrine uh, or the Senior Bowl. I'm pretty sure it was the Shrine Bowl um, that he got the invite to. Uh, had, a, had a nice touchdown there. Um, and so I think he did enough um, between his combine and um, – you know, some of the stuff that he did at the Shrine Bowl and some of the stuff that he did on tape to get drafted. Uh, and so I am I am interested in him. Uh, I do think that he could end up being that short yardage, goal line type of uh, back. Uh, he kind of reminds me a little bit of a, just maybe a slightly slower Robert Turbin, uh, if, that, if that makes sense. Um, and I could see him that, that does. that's getting the juices flowing. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. So, I mean, he, he, he's not a, he's not a player that you're going to be like, Oh, I'm going to jump up into the third round so I can get James Robinson. No, he's not one of those players, but, uh, Rich, when you said it before, uh, 
a, a really solid backup running back. I think that's what he's going to be for most of his career. And you could find worse second string guys. Uh, and, and I would be fine owning him, but I'm not going out of my way to try to get him. Yeah, my biggest question, too, is like when I was watching this film, I was like, man, I really like him in between the tackles. You know, like his patience, his feet, um, when he'll find that hole and like fight through the contact. I really liked it. But then I'm like, all right, do I like it, though? Like, is he just good enough? But is, is the FCS, you know what I mean? Like, is does that all disappear in the NFL? Because there's a couple of plays he make. I'm like, ooh, ooh, should I get excited about James Robinson? Like, is this my sleeper? Is this my sleeper? And then I watch more. I'm like, ah, probably, probably not. not. Yeah, you know, no, but, I don't. I don't think he is. Yeah, no. he was. He was the East West Ryan game that okay. he was a part of. Uh, just to throw that in. There. Okay, Sorry. I thought that was the game because I didn't think but, he got a Senior Bowl invite. So, um, yeah, that makes sense. No, but he, he but he played well in that game. I remember watching it and uh, happy to happy to see him get a chance and then actually do something with it. Cause sometimes those guys, you know, finally get their shot and they blow it and then they never even get draft consideration. And, you know, I think it, he'll do enough to, you know, be a six round NFL draft pick, seventh round NFL draft pick. And, and uh, we'll see what happens from there. Let me, yep. Let me talk. Let me, let me touch on that a little bit. Since, since they're doing, you know, they, they just announced today, how they're kind of doing the draft remotely um, and, and everyone's going to be in their own separate rooms and they're kind of going through a dry run because everyone's freaking out. Do you think some of these late round guys are going to kind of fall through the cracks um, in, you know, years past, maybe this guy would have gotten an invite, you know, to the facility or he would have had a, a second chance, you know, at his pro day or something like that to kind of, improve on some of the numbers and show that he maybe his long speed um, deficiency was kind of overblown. Do you think some of these, these guys like James Robinson are going to kind of fall through the cracks and become undrafted free agents uh, where in years past, they could have been like fifth, sixth round guys. Uh, any, any thoughts on that kind of stuff? It's it's, it, it's going to be a weird draft, man. It's going to be, some people are going to be hurt because their medicals can't be, you know, they can be tested that way. Uh, so there might be some value in some of these guys that might be hurt, but it's, it, I think it's gonna be weird, it's, man. It's gonna be really I'm, I'm weird. I'm with you draft. there. I'm, I'm just I'm totally perplexed, and and I'm not sure exactly. What I, I to do expect, think so that's why I, was I do asking. think the the red flag guys. So whether it's due to injury, uh, off the field concerns, um, you know, it's it's those types of things that I think those guys might drop a little bit because they just didn't have the opportunity to do their homework and due diligence. I think with guys like James Robinson, he could fall into that category. But I think what's going to happen is it's going to mostly rely a lot more on those regional scouts uh, than it did in years past where, mm -hmm. you know, the GM has, you know, all the information he needs leading up. He's probably going to be leaning on some of those regional scouts in the fifth, sixth, seventh undrafted. Um, I And so, and it's hard to know because we don't know what type of relationships these guys have built with, with those scouts. But I think you're going to see a lot of those guys be making the picks more so than they would have had an opportunity to in the, in the past. I mean, it's just it just baffled me because I saw that you know even Kevin Colbert, um, the GM of the Steelers, came out and and said that, which is pie in the sky stuff. But he asked um, that everyone gets three additional picks this year in order to kind of sort through this crap because they're not getting any of their pre-draft visits and they don't want to miss on guys. <laughs> yeah, good luck, Kevin. Maybe you should do a better job preparing for your draft instead of you know dilly down out there in Pittsburgh hey. eating eating exactly. corn. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I think guys like Rico Dottle, Rico Dottle uh, 
are hurt more than even a guy like James Robinson. Well, because he had at least restaurant and, game. And the, like, again, because Rico Dattle has all those injury right. histories. And the, you know what I mean? And the like, thing, going back to 2016. The thing that goes beyond that even more is, I mean, who knows if they're going to be like any sort of mini camp activities where where an undrafted guy would usually get a chance to shine and kind of um, you know pop off the page a little bit and perhaps either even yep. you know, make a make a name for himself a little bit. None of that stuff's going to happen this year, at least on schedule. So it's it's going to be there's always two guys that get signed. It's, it's, always like two guys that get signed from those exactly. Mini camps. So it's it, tra- you know yep. training camp. Invites. It's going to be very difficult this year for these for those type of guys to like kind of crack the roster. So keep an eye on on these late round guys and see if they get drafted and see where they end up and, and try to follow them a little bit after the fact because they might end up just kind of falling by the wayside if they don't get drafted all right let's wrap this show up here with another guy uh on the bottom of the list here scotty phillips out of mississippi state five foot eight 209 pounds ran a four five six forty seven point four three cone missed some games to injury last year had 125 carries for 542 yards five touchdowns good for 4.3 yards per carry Eight receptions for 77 yards and a touchdown. Uh, this guy is way better on the outside than he is in the inside. Didn't didn't get much um, really at all in inside. Vision's really not there. He's elusive with a good jump cut, but, I mean, a lot of times, like, he knows he's not good on inside, so I feel like he just wanted to bounce things outside just because that's, that's where he is. You know, that's where he lives. Um, wasn't really used in the passing game a ton, wasn't really, you know, there in pass protection. So wasn't really used on special teams, I don't think, either. So for me, his vision was just, uh, yeah. Rich, I don't know. I watched Scotty Phillips. So I was like, don't Rich, like him. I, I, here's exactly what I wrote, and it was very short and concise. Is not quick, fast, or powerful. Why am I wasting my time watching this guy? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's a little bit. That's all. Quick. I, I mean, he's not a turtle, but but I get what you're saying. I, I'm not. I'm not that interested either. Overall, um, it, it was interesting because I have a decent patient score uh, for him at, at a seven, uh, which is you know at or above average, but it's because his vision's a 4.5. I think it was mostly just indecision was more his patience. He doesn't know what the <laughs> hell he doesn't know where the yeah. hell he's going. Yeah. I'm totally with you there, man. He just looks all slow and, st- and I'm done. I'm I'm done talking about <laughs> Scotty Phillips. Yeah, I, I wasn't I wasn't overly <laughs> enthused either. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's it, man. We we don't need what, to waste too much. What time. a turd to, what a turd to wrap this show up on, man. Holy crap. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> oh well, that's a that's a good way to end it. Um, so that's it. That's a we have one more segment coming here on the Nerd Herd. Uh, if you're a Nerd Herd member, you're gonna hear us talk about talk about Cam Akers, Keyshawn Vaughn, some big names on there, Antonio Gibson, AJ Dillon. We're gonna jump into that next. Of course, you join the Nerd Herd. I'm telling you now is the time to join. We got some really cool stuff coming up here on the horizon. You can get your eyes on these players' film right now by joining the get on there and see the film room. And of course, you do not want to enter your rookie draft without our rankings, right? You want to have the stuff right in front of you. So make sure you join the nerd herd. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks to all those that have done that and got up to that thousand yard, uh, thousand subscriber mark. We appreciate that. A lot of good stuff coming out there as well. And I think that's it. Make sure you check out dynastyowner.com. Make sure you use that promo code nerds and get on realitysportsonline.com to get uh, that 10% discount. And we'll be back next week to kick off our inaugural coverage of the 2020 rookie wide receivers. Until then, we'll catch you nerd herders here in about five seconds and breaking down Cam Akers. 
Adios.